Hi, and welcome to the Abundant Encounters podcast. My name is Joshua Marsingale, and I'm so honored to be here with you. The Abundant Encounters podcast is here to help facilitate, encourage, inspire those of us who are Christians, who are following God, um, who have embraced the inheritance that Jesus Christ has provided, a focus on more encounters with our relationship with God. He's not short on encounters. There's no reason to believe that. He wants to have a continued, constant relationship with us. In fact, there is an encounter lifestyle available to those who seek it. Jesus was our representation. He lived that. He did what he what he saw his father doing. He said what he heard him saying. So he must have had continued access to that from his father. That was encounter. Encounters, the way we define them, is any moment where you just know that God was real. So we do that in two ways. We start with the Word of God because you get two things just by listening to the Word of God. It's amazing. Faith and hearing. And um, so your ears will open up and your faith will increase as you listen to the Word. We'll take that faith and we'll apply it right away into an activation. After just a little teaching, we'll go into an activation and we pray that you'll have a real encounter. I want to pray for you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father, for being here with us. We want to be present with your presence, Lord. Connect with our hearts, Lord. Pull us in close to you, Lord God. Your children, your sons, your daughters. Move in towards us. I thank you that you're in us. You're all around us. You're above us, below us. We are enclosed by you. We are opened by you. We're safe in you, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, I take the authority that you paid for, and I command anything that would hinder this time between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and every child of God, I cancel your assignment, silence your mouth in Jesus' name. I cancel anything, any demonic, any principle, any, any, uh, any voice that's not of God. Cancel your assignment. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. Take us away, Lord. Within you, Lord. Reveal the vastness of your being with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Today we're going to be reading from the Passion Translation, another one of my favorite translations. Use it often on this podcast. Highly recommend uh, picking that up. And uh, we're going to be reading in Luke 12. Continuing on. By now a crowd of many thousands had gathered around Jesus 
So many people pushed to be near him, they began to trample one another. Jesus turned to his disciples and warned them, Beware of the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. It permeates everything they do and teach, like leaven. Everything hidden and covered up will soon be exposed, for the facade is falling down, and nothing will be kept secret for long. Whatever you have spoken in private will be public knowledge, and what you have whispered secretly behind closed doors will be broadcast far and wide for all to hear. Listen, my beloved friends, don't fear those who may want to take your life, but can do nothing more. It's true that they may kill your body, but they have no power over your soul. The one you must fear is God, for he has both the power to take your life and the authority to cast your soul into hell. Yes, the only one you need to fear is God. What is the value of your soul to God? Could your worth be defined by any amount of money? God doesn't abandon or forget even the small sparrow he has made. How then could he forget or abandon you? What about the seemingly minor issues of your life? Do they matter to God? Of course they do. So you never need to worry, for you are more valuable to God than anything else in this world. I can assure you of this, if you freely declare in public that I am the Son of Man, the Messiah, then I will freely declare to all the angels of God that you are mine. But if you publicly pretend that you don't know me, I will deny you before the angels of God. If anyone speaks evil of me, the Son of Man, that one can be forgiven. But if anyone speaks scornfully against the Holy Spirit, it will never be forgiven. And remember this, when people publicly accuse you and forcefully drag you before the religious leaders and authorities, do not be troubled. Don't worry about defending yourself or how to answer their accusations. Simply be confident and allow the spirit of wisdom access to your heart. And in that very moment, he will reveal what you are to say to them. Just then someone spoke up from the crowd and said, Master, you should compel my older brother to divide the family inheritance and give me my fair share. Jesus answered, My friend, who made me a judge, an arbitrator over you? Speaking to the people, Jesus continued, Be alert and guard your heart from greed and from always wishing for what you don't have. For your life can never be measured by the amount of things you possess. Jesus then gave them this illustration. A wealthy landowner had a farm that produced bumper crops. Every year the harvest was so great it filled his barns to overflowing. He thought, what should I do now that every barn is full and I have nowhere else to store more? I know what I'll do. I'll tear down the barns and build one massive barn to hold all my grain and goods. Then I can just sit back, surrounded with comfort and ease, 
and enjoy life with no worries at all. God said to him, What a fool you are to trust in your riches and not in me. This very night the messengers of death will demand to take your life. Then who will get all the wealth you have stored up for yourself? The same thing will happen to all those who fill up their lives with everything but God. And Jesus taught his disciples, saying, Listen to me, never let anxiety into your hearts. Never worry about any of your needs, such as food or clothing, for your life is infinitely more than just the food you eat or the clothing you wear. Take the carefree birds as your example. Do you ever see them worry? They neither grow their own food nor put it in a storehouse for later. Yet God takes care of every one of them, feeding each of them out of the abundance of his love and goodness. Isn't your life more precious to God than a bird? Be carefree in the care of God. Does worry add anything to your life? Can it add one more year or even one day? So if worrying adds nothing, but actually subtracts from your life, how would you worry about God's care of you? Think about the lilies. They grow and become beautiful, not because they work hard or strive to clothe themselves, yet not even Solomon wearing his kingly garments of splendor could be compared to a field of lilies. If God can clothe the fields and meadows with grass and flowers, can he not clothe you as well? O oh, struggling one with so many doubts, I repeat, don't let worry into your life. Live above the anxious cares about your personal needs. People everywhere seem to worry about making a living, but your heavenly Father knows your every need and will take care of you. As you passionately seek his kingdom, above all else, he will supply your needs. So don't ever be afraid, dearest friends. Your loving Father joyously gives you his kingdom with all its promises. Now go and sell what you have and give to those in need. You will be making deposits in your account in heaven, an account that will never be taken from you. Your gifts will become a secure and unfailing treasure deposited in heaven forever. Where you deposit your treasure, that is where you fix your thoughts, and your heart will long to be there also. Be prepared for action at a moment's notice. Be like servants anticipating their master's return from wedding celebration. They are ready at a moment's notice to unlock and open the door for him. What great joy is ahead for those who stay awake and wait for their master's return. He himself will become their servant and wait on them. He may appear at midnight or even later, but what great joy for the awakened ones whenever he comes. Of course, if they knew ahead of time the hour of their master's appearing, they would be alert, just as they would be ready 
if they knew ahead of time that a thief was coming to break into their house. So keep being alert and ready at all times, for I promise you that the Son of Man will surprise you and appear when you don't expect him. Lord, Peter asked, does this apply only to the twelve of us, or is it for everyone else as well? The Lord replied, A master will delegate authority in his house to a trustworthy and thoughtful manager who understands his master's desires, and the household manager will serve others what they need at exactly the right time. And whenever his master returns, he will find that his servant has served him well. I promise you, the master will reward him generously, and he will be placed as an overseer of everything he owns. But what if the servant says in his heart, my master delays his coming, and who knows when he will return? Because of the delay, the servant elevates himself and mistreats those in his master's household. Instead of caring for the ones he was appointed to serve, he abuses the other servants, both men and women. He throws drunken parties for his friends and gives himself over to every pleasure. Let me tell you what will happen to him. His master will suddenly return at a time that shocks him, and he will remove the abusive, selfish servant from his position of trust. The master will punish him and assign him a position with the unbelievers. Every servant who knows what pleases his master yet does not make himself ready and refuses to put his master's will to action will receive many punishing blows. Every servant who does not know his master's will and unwittingly does what is wrong will receive a less severe punishment. For those who have received a greater revelation from their master are required a greater obedience. Those who have been entrusted with great responsibility will be held more responsible to their master. I have come to set the earth on fire, and how I wish it were already ablaze with fiery passion for God. But first I must be immersed into the baptism of God's judgment, and I am consumed with passion as I await its fulfillment. Don't think for a moment that I came to grant peace and harmony to everyone. No, my arrival will change everything and create hostility among you. From now on, even family members will be divided over me and will choose sides, one against another. Fathers will be divided from sons and sons from fathers. Mothers will be divided from daughters and daughters from mothers. Mothers-in-law will be against brides, and brides against mothers-in-law, nor because of me. Jesus then said to the crowds gathered around him, When you see a cloud forming in the west, don't you say, A storm is brewing? And then it arrives. And when you feel the south wind blowing, you say, A heat wave is on the way. And so it happens. What hypocrites, you are such experts at forecasting the weather, but you are totally unwilling to understand the spiritual significance of the time you're living in. 
You can't even judge for yourselves what is good and right. When you are guilty of wrongdoing, it is better to agree with your adversary and settle your dispute before you have to go before a judge. If not, your adversary may drag you into court, and the judge may find you guilty and throw you into prison until you have paid off your fine entirely. Early in my salvation, the Lord took me through a process that brought me to a year of 365 encounters. And um, I didn't catch on right away. <laughs> you know, I mean, I had a, I remember the dramatic encounter that opened the first day of the year. I'd had a dream that, um, uh, it disturbed me, uh, and then I had an immediate encounter that also followed this encounter dream that helped explain the dream, and this podcast isn't about that dream, so I'll skip that, but that was the start of a year, and every day I had an encounter experience that was unique, and it wasn't until about three months into this that I start to realize this is happening every day and it is aligned with my Bible reading. The Lord had convinced me finally that I could read through the Bible, the whole Bible, and I had a 365 devotional. I have no idea why it intimidated me that I could... The Bible's big, obviously, but for some reason I just didn't feel like I had what it took to read all the way through it. And... um I haven't stopped reading it yearly since then because it was such a great experience. But um, the characters came alive. The stories were about my heart. Uh, whether it was Old Testament or New Testament um, made no difference. It was always important. It was always relevant to that day. And um, there's a lot of things that the Lord taught me. But one of the biggest things that I walked away with is that encounters is, is a lifestyle. Um, I call it the year of 365 encounters, but I know that I didn't stop having encounters after that year. And I'll define encounters briefly. Uh, it's uh, any moment that you just know that God is real. That was the way I defined it. I had those moments again and again, and some of them were very profound, very physical. Um, many of them were revel revelatory. Uh, but there was a consistency about it that that just blew open my box. I had a box that was way too small for God, and uh, and he he embarrassed that box. <laughs> he shamed that box. Uh, he didn't shame me. He just let me know that, um, in, a, in a sense, that that uh, we weren't asking enough from him. It's not like he's limited in his supply. And so I bring all this up because uh, Luke 12 is can be uh, very divisive. Lots of um, lots of really hard 
lines in here from Jesus. And, uh, but one of the ways that the Lord really brought balance into my life through all these extremes and all these like uh, uh, dividing lines, he, um, he brought this concept of lifestyle to me. And so I thought I, I should share that with you. It makes things easier. For example, uh, Paul's unceasing prayer life. Uh, you know, many take that so literally that they think that they have to close themselves in a closet for the remainder of their life and to be like Paul. Well, Paul did other things too. But he had an unceasing prayer. And what he was referring to was his heart's position, it was the way he lived. Everything had, was including his conversation with God, his prayer with God. And maybe that at times was fill, filled with like the request and some of the familiar stuff, but a lot of it was probably just emotional entanglement, like being available and connected to God at all times. That's a lifestyle. It's not a moment. And so it's very true when Paul says uh, that he gives he gave himself over to unceasing prayer. So for example, when Jesus is condemning greed, he's not asking us necessarily to, you know, forsake money and never have any. Um, Paul later explains in uh, in his letters that, you know, we are to influence our sphere. That's what we're called to. Sometimes that takes money, and that's not a sin. What Jesus is explaining then is that this lifestyle of serving money is completely inappropriate and not something that a child of God can maintain. In fact, it's going to leave you in a state of consistent punishment because money as as a ruler over us is extremely abusive and uncaring it has no heart for us or care for us and especially no love for us it's what we would give up by not living the lifestyle of sonship in this case is extreme our God loves us and on every occasion he will tell you his thoughts are near infinite you know like the sands on the seas seashores at the bottom of the oceans it's amazing money's not gonna think about you and care for you you know, you see what I'm saying? These, when, when it comes into a lifestyle understanding that then everything that the Lord lines out here begins to be practically available, become practically available to each and every one of us. Not just some extremist, but to all the sons and daughters of God. It's our, the position of our heart 
that he's exposing. In verse 20, God said to him, What a fool you are to trust in your riches and not in me. There's only one place for your trust that won't break your trust, and that's in God. Or verse 32, here it says, So don't ever be afraid, dearest friends. Your loving Father joyously gives you his kingdom with all its promises. Don't ever. These definitive statements that make us could so easily make us feel like we could never achieve these things. But really what it's about is accepting this lifestyle of faith that believes that in all things God is going to bring his goodness he's going to bring the promises or this next part where it says be ready and some people end up feeling like they're looking for a moment when when Jesus comes back and and that dissolves their responsibility for anything in the present because they've got this escape plan, as they say. And that's very destructive. And it's not the picture that we're getting here. It's a bridegroom that we're attending to. And it's a lifestyle of attending to the bridegroom, all of his needs, everything. It's, we know he's coming back. We're excited for his return. But attending is the job description. That is what we're up to, tending and keeping. Without that understanding, we could end up like this poor or a picture of a person that Jesus provides where he just gets anxiously bored and turns to alcohol and drunken parties just trying to pass the time doesn't really care about tending and keeping for the bridegroom It's painful, really, when you know that what's available is so powerful and it's position, it's your position. Jesus is trying to get us ungrounded here. He's trying to get us dependent, in a sense, on who he is and what he's provided. And finally, Jesus' baptism into the judgment that we deserved. And uh, many draw a line here and they say, well, this is where this is where Jesus justifies his judgment of us. And they bring it in this weird idea that his whole purpose here is to bring pain on us. But he came to save us, not to judge us. So we know that what Jesus is absorbing here 
is that need that those earlier covenants had all resulted in was just the punishment of sin. So he was taking all of that for us. So that is no longer what our lives are about. Our lives are not about the conviction of sin. Our lives are now about the conviction of righteousness. I mean, that is cause for celebration. And so that brings us to our activation today. So many of us have carried around these heavy burdens. There's only one place where they belong. As Jesus prepared himself to take on the prophesied destiny that he had. To go to that cross. to be painfully executed in front of all of his people. They shouted, crucify him. And in a sense, you and I did as well. This is humanity being represented there. And we just couldn't handle the idea that we could be that loved. And so this is the result no matter what. And close your eyes if you can and begin to picture that scene. This is the baptism of God's judgment on Jesus. It's God's judgment manifesting in and through humanity. You hear the shouts, crucify him, crucify him. And if you're like me, you know, you might even feel a little defensive. You might say, Hey, crucify you. <laughs> you know, how dare you say that to Jesus, my Savior. But if you were in their shoes, you may be yelling that as well. Coming to terms with that doesn't make you an awful person. Coming to terms with that helps you understand a little more about what went to that cross with him. Every judgment, every, every, uh, every lacking part of your life went to that cross with him. There was so much missing from every single person's life in that crowd. And there is so much missing from every person who has not accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. I say it frequently, I'm quoting Georgian Banoff, but death is not our savior. It does not save us, Jesus saves us. And he endured the cross, truly, 
so that all of those judgments that are trying to attack us, that are trying to come at us, do not have a place to land. And so that we can go back to this place whenever we need to and throw all our cares on Him. So I want you to ask Jesus, and if it helps, He could be on the cross. <laughs> if you'd rather have a conversation with Jesus and His sweet presence there with you without Him being on the cross, that's, that's 100% anything you want to do. Connect with Jesus, that's the point. Say, Jesus, is there anything I forgot to put on that cross? If you got an answer right away, then ask Jesus to help you put it on that cross now. And this could be anything, obviously, but if there's any self-judgment, if there's any limitations in your life caused by the idea that, you know, money is our provider, money is our source, or that uh, if we if we could just control the situation a little better then things would work out right or any anything like that anything that's not Jesus being the savior that we've always needed put that on the cross and let Jesus get everything he paid for right here and right now. Move into the lifestyle of freedom that Jesus paid for by laying it down, leaving it on the cross. Today might be a big new day, especially if it is the first time you used a prophetic act like this and got pulled into a real encounter with the living God in his heaven on earth. This determination may reveal how the same God has been encountering you for many years and will eventually reveal how God is really everywhere and in everything. The good news, he is for you and not against you. He's hidden there for you and not from you. Seek him and find him. Seek like a king before you share as his priest. 
what you begin to find and uncover will cross the boundary of word only and enter into your own truth. You'll begin to live there. We pray blessing on you. May you be prosperous today from the inside of your spirit, through your soul, and then out into every circumstance of your day. May joy, hope, and peace overflow from within you abundantly. God is not short on encounters, my friend. I pray that the supply of heaven fill your life with infinite wealth that overwhelms and overcomes every deficit of this world around you and others here in this world. In Jesus' name. Come and visit us online at AbundantEncounters.com where you can find out more about our cause. We want everyone to have an encounter with God today. And on that website, you can find out ways to help yourself, help your friends. There's counseling, coaching, and articles available that will help you to embrace the lifestyle of encountering God. AbundantEncounters.com The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.